Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Thank you so much for your giving. Uh, Let me just say once again, Merry Christmas to you. And um, your family, we're honored, um, as I said earlier, that you have chosen to make Bethesda Church part of your Christmas tradition. Um, And it truly did all start in a manger uh, over 2,000 years ago, and here we are more than 2,000 years later still celebrating uh, this man, this Messiah we know as Jesus. Anybody thankful for Jesus on this Christmas Eve? Man, I'm super thankful for Jesus. I got to be real honest with you, after the first service, I was like, I don't know if anybody will be left for the second service. Uh, people had a hard time finding a seat at nine o'clock, but look, you guys, you guys uh, filled it up too. So thank you so much for being here. I'm excited about the message um, that God has given me for you today. And obviously, uh, I'm going to try to get there quickly. Uh, I don't plan to preach long. You guys know that don't mean anything, right? I do not plan to preach long because uh, I know that we, we want to have that um, beautiful moment, the candlelight moment, and I believe the Holy Spirit's going to use that uh, to do something significant in your heart. If I could put a title on today, I would simply call it a Christmas truce, a Christmas truce. Christmas is truly one of the most wonderful times of the year because it pulls our focus in so many good directions. It, it helps us to think about things like generosity, family, and ultimately the main, the main reason, Jesus. Um, but unfortunately, this season has a way of pulling our attention to some bad things, um, loneliness, lack, and what I'm really going to lean into today, lasting conflict, lasting conflict. For some, when we talk about conflict, it may be a back and forth between you and your boss. It could be a feud with a friend. It could be animosity in your family or with a spouse. For some, it may be um, conflict within yourself. Nearly every person in this room, probably every person in this room, has some type of lasting conflict in your life. I want to look today for a few minutes uh, at the turn of the 20th century the world was struck with a lasting conflict known as World War I. Many of us have studied it, um, we've researched it, we've watched documentaries on it, and though it started with the assassination of a single person, it grew to include much of the planet's population. And it was not just the number of nations that made um, this conflict so notable. It was also the extraordinary death toll. Nearly 20 million people lost their lives. And one of the reasons casualties were so high during this war was because of the fighting style known as trench warfare. Everybody say trench warfare. That was the fighting style. And soldiers, they, they would dig long lines facing their enemy. And often they would be less than 100 feet from their opponent. And they would relentlessly attack with bullets, explosives, 
and poison gas. And the progression of trench warfare was like this. Number one, they would establish position. That was the first thing they would do. They would establish their position. The second thing they would do is they would dig into that position so that they could not be moved off that position. They could not be moved off that ground. The third part is they would hide in the position so to never meet their enemy face to face. And then finally, they would keep firing from that position until their enemy was totally defeated. And the reason I find this so interesting is because it sounds so familiar. We live in a similar time where trench warfare is common on social media, on, in political platforms, and between races and in homes. So often we have established our position. We have dug in on that position, and we do not waver. We hide from our opposition, or we hide in that position, never meeting the person we're in conflict with. We, we never meet them eye to eye. And then ultimately, we keep firing until our communities, our workplaces, and our families are destroyed. And one of the realities that grabbed me as I studied this in World War I is that this war did very little to resolve conflict. At the conclusion, very few geographical lines moved. In essence, the war cost a ton of lives, and it accomplished very little, which is why World War II was needed. And I think that's probably how some of you feel. A lot has been lost with very little accomplished. And what we need now is what troops needed and experienced back on Christmas in 1914 in what history records as the Christmas truce of 1914. It was about six months into this war, and Allied troops formed a front of trenches against the Germans. But after months of fighting with very little progress, the morale was dropping fast. But on Christmas Eve, soldiers were settling in. Some even hung up decorations. Some of them began to sing. And the Allied trench heard the German trench and vice versa. And some held up a sign that read, you no shoot, we no shoot. And this led to the soldiers emptying out of the trenches. They began talking. They exchanged food. They began singing. And they even began playing a game of soccer on Christmas Day. And the whole point of that is that in spite of their differences, they found a way to peace. And what I'm suggesting for all of us today is that let that story speak to us that we could experience a Christmas truce in 2023. No more Facebook fighting. No more sibling squabbles. No more marriage melees. Come on, somebody. That we make a truce as we close out 2023 and we step in to 2024. Let's call a truce and recapture the essence of why Jesus came. Why Jesus came to bring peace on earth and goodwill to all. After all, it's what we are called to do as followers of Jesus. Ephesians chapter number four, verse number three says, make every effort 
to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. The Greek um, definition of, 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 you know, make every effort, this literally means to eagerly strive, to eagerly strive. In essence, it means to stop fighting each other and start fighting for peace. I want to say that again. Stop fighting one another and start fighting for peace. How many believe that we can make that happen at the end of 2023 going into 2024? Anybody believe that we can do that? Now, I, I got a few points that I want to share with you um, that if we're going to experience a Christmas truce this, this holiday season, number one, we have to stop firing. We have to stop firing. I think the single worst technological development in human history is the screen. And the reason is because whether the comments come through text or email, some type of digital platform, it, it has unleashed this appetite to attack. We're able to hide behind screens and keyboards and lob verbal grenades without it bothering our conscience at all. And the way that I see this is that if you are a true follower of Jesus, you have a choice to make. Either stop attacking people with your words or stop telling people you're a follower of Jesus. Amen. We have to make a decision. We're either going to stop attacking with our words or we're going to stop telling people we love Jesus. Because some of us, through our verbal assaults of people, we're making Jesus look bad. We're a poor representation of him. So I want to encourage you to stop firing. The irony is that our attacking words never help. It never helps. Proverbs 12 and 18 says, The words of the reckless pierce like swords. Meaning when you attack someone with your words, you never make anything better. You only wound them and make matters worse. For example, psychologists at the University of Denver, they studied married couples uh, over the first decade of their marriage, the first 10 years of marriage. And they found out among couples who split up, 10 out of every 100 comments were insults. In their book, based upon this research, they said, they quote, hostile put-downs act as cancerous cells that if unchecked, erode the relationship over time. It's sobering, a sobering thought that the single most reliable predictor of success or failure in a marriage was not affection displayed or common interests or even economics, but it was the kind, the kind of words that couples said to one another. You cannot expect to find peace if your words are causing pain. You are just perpetuating the problem. So number one, you got to stop firing if you're going to experience a Christmas truce. Number two, you got to see the other person's value. you got to see the other person's value. Conflict has a way of covering up the other person's value. That all we see are the issues 
and we no longer see the person. So often when there's conflict involved, what we do is we dehumanize people, or even worse yet, we demonize people. Because we, we, we no longer see the value of a person, we only see them in their issue. And we have a tendency to think that when we're, when we're, when we're in conflict, that we're the only ones with a struggle. How many know you're not the only one with a struggle in your life? Other people are also struggling. In my experience, most people who are difficult to get along with is because they have their own difficulty going on in them. And a lot of times, the reason some people are so hard to connect to or so hard to, to resolve conflict with is because they have their own issues. And I'm convinced, totally convinced, that if you took 2024 and you only focused on Jesus and your own struggles, you wouldn't have time to attack other people with your words. How many know you got enough to work on? Merry Christmas. I am trying to help you. We all got enough to work on. And it's easier, listen to it, I'm going to say it like this, it's easier to stay in conflict with other people when we fail to recognize our own issues. Some people are always in a conflict with somebody. You know why? They ignore their own struggle. Because we all got enough to work on. So that, that would take up our time enough that we don't have to be in conflict with everyone. You think your, hus your husband don't care, but you don't realize the stress he's under at work. You may think my wife is inattentive, but she truly is worn out from the job and, and the kids. You think your mom is unreasonable, but what you don't know is she's missing that her mom is not here in this season. That coworker, you think they are a jerk, but you don't realize that maybe they're in a custody battle and they're not going to see their kids this Christmas. Or you think this person is the most difficult person I've ever been in, in contact with, but what you don't know is they're battling a secret addiction that, that you don't know anything about. And so often, instead of, of, of placing value on someone, we only see the issue. And I want to encourage you, as we close out this year and step into a new year, instead of staying in conflict, start asking some questions. Like, what's going on with you? What, what, what have you gone through? And allow the Holy Spirit to help you navigate the relationships in your life. And I want to remind us, as the body of Christ, that the fruit of the Spirit is still a thing. And that self-control is still important. This is going over real well this morning. And that's what happened on the battlefield in 1914. The day after the truce, the war did resume. But many of the soldiers would no longer fire on their enemy. It was so bad that commanding officers had to reassign hundreds of troops to other fronts of war. And the reason was because they could no longer see their enemy as the enemy. They realized these are real people and I can't kill them. Stop dehumanizing people and tearing them down with your words. Stop firing. See the other person's value. And number three, take the first step. Take the first step. At first, both armies thought that this proposed truce was a ruse. They thought that it was something so that one, somebody could get an advantage. But it wasn't until a brave soldier 
took a chance, climbed out of the trench that others followed. And I think that's a lot of our issue nowadays is everybody is waiting on someone else to take the first step, to apologize, to say, I'm sorry, to say, I forgive you, or let's work it out. There is no peace until someone is willing to take the first step. And that's what the Christmas story is all about. God took the first step toward us. He closed the gap. That's what Christmas is all about. It was God saying, I'm going to close the gap. I'm going to remove the distance. I'm not going to wait on you to get it right. I'm going to go ahead and make a way. Imagine if God had waited on you and I to act right before he sent Jesus. Imagine if if God the Father said to the Son, Son, if they can live perfect for one day, then I'll send you. Imagine if Jesus had said, I'm not getting in that manger until they apologize. How many of you know Jesus would have never made it to earth, but he took the first step. And in him taking the first step to reconcile us to him, he was modeling the way that as followers of Christ, we need to be willing to humble ourselves, take the first step, and do what it takes to have a truce this Christmas season. Romans 5, 8 says, but God has shown us how much he loves us. It was while we were still sinners that Christ died for us. He didn't wait till we said, sorry, till we got our act together, till we owned up to our issues. He came while we were still sinners, meaning we are probably never more like Christ than when we forgive first. This could be the most important step for you and your family as you move into a brand new year is to forgive first. Stop firing. See the other person's value. Take the first step. And in closing, as Eli comes to the keys, stay focused on Jesus. Stay focused on Jesus. We get off course when our focus is broken off Christ. Too often this historical account of World War I is told with humanistic commentary. And so everyone wants to talk about the goodwill of man shining in the middle of, of this war. But what we forget is that this miraculous truce happened on someone's birthday. And I want us all to know that it wasn't Muhammad's birthday, it wasn't Buddha's birthday, it wasn't Darwin's birthday, it wasn't even Gandhi's birthday, it was Jesus' birthday. Because no one ends conflict better than Jesus. I love how Spurgeon said it. He said the swaddling band with which he was wrapped up was the white flag of peace. That manger was the place where the treaty was signed. Romans chapter 5 verse 10 says, Even when we were God's enemies, he made peace with us because his son died for us. Yet something even greater than friendship is ours. Now that we are at peace with God, we will be saved by his son's life. God created you 
and he created me to live according to his standards and his purposes. And until we live according to his standards and purposes, we will have conflict with him and we've actually set ourselves up as an enemy of God. And that's why many people this, this Christmas season, which is a wonderful time, they are irritable, they are unsettled, and they're struggling. And it's all because they are trenched against God, fighting for control. And these feelings point to the fact that you need peace with God. The question then becomes, how do I experience peace with God? It's real simple. You wave the white flag of surrender. The only way to a life of purpose and fulfillment, it's the craziest thing, and, and, and it, we see the principles all throughout Scripture that the only way to have an enjoyable life, truly, is when you lay your life down. It's only when we surrender our life that we find new life in Christ. The more I try to hold on to my life, to, to who I want to be, the more miserable I become, but the more of myself I give away and surrender to Him and His will, the more joy, the more fulfillment, the more purpose I actually find. It's all about surrender. It's all about, are you willing to give up your life for the life God has for you? And the best part is, is that once we have peace with God, we operate in the peace of God, and now we can make peace with others. 2 Corinthians 5.18, it says, God has done all this. He has restored our relationship with Him through Christ and has given us this ministry of restoring relationships. Some translations calls it the, the ministry of reconciliation. And I love this because how many of you would say today that you're thankful that you have been reconciled to God through Jesus? Anybody thankful for that, that truth? You've been reconciled. But, but watch this, I gotta explain the difference. See, the world system is resolution. We want resolution in the world. But God's system is reconciliation. And it's a, there's a difference. We've been reconciled and we've also been given the ministry of reconciliation. The Apostle Paul tells us this. And so resolution, it's not a bad thing, it's just the world's way. Resolution is when if I have conflict with you, you have conflict with me, both parties work to find common ground. We're both going to work to find resolution, to solve this problem, to work out this issue. Nothing wrong with that, but we've not been called to resolution. We've been called to reconciliation. Resolution is you and I working hard to fix it. Reconciliation is bringing the balance to zero. Reconciliation is the canceling of debt. See, resolution, we don't cancel anything. We just work hard and try to find common ground. And a lot of times, sometimes you find it and a lot of times you don't. But reconciliation says, regardless of how this goes, I'm bringing your account to zero. You don't owe me anything. You don't owe nothing. I don't owe you. I'm reconciling the relationship. Aren't you thankful that Jesus is not just working through resolution with you, but it's reconciliation and he brought your account to zero? He did all that through Jesus, and he did it before you said, I'm sorry. 
that while you were a sinner, he said, I'm going to take the first step. I'm going to close the gap. And I want to speak to everybody in the room, but specifically those that do not have peace with God today. It's impossible many times to make peace with people when you don't have peace with God. None of my relationships work right when I'm not focused on Jesus. None of them. Why? Because we get blind by selfish desires. We, we become blinded by our own wants, our own desires. And we all drift towards selfishness. It's only when we're Christ-centered that relationships begin to work. I'm going to ask if you would just to bow your head where you are and close your eyes. I just want to speak to some people in the room today that you don't have peace with God. You know that Man, there's just things in my life that are not right. I'm not following Jesus. I've not laid down my life. I've not surrendered. I've not repented. Repentance is a decision. It's not a prayer. It's not just saying, I'm sorry. It's a change of direction. It, it's, I'm, I'm laying my life down and I'm picking up the life Christ has for me. I'm, I'm denying myself and I'm following Jesus. And that is the way to peace. So if you're in this room today and say, Pastor, I want to be a part of this prayer, this closing prayer this morning. I want to be a part of it because I need to make some things right with God. I need to repent of some things so that I can fully follow Christ. If that is you this morning, would you just throw your hand up right there where you are and say, Pastor, I want to be a part of this prayer today. I want to be a part of that. I want to make peace with God. I don't want to leave the same way that I came in, anyone at all, under the sound of my voice, you would say, thank you for that hand. God bless you. Anyone else? Anyone else? You say, that's, that's me, one back here. God bless you. God bless you. I see that. Anyone else? I want to make peace with God. I want to repent of my sins. I want to follow Jesus fully and experience the peace of God. Anyone else? before we pray. We're all going to pray together out loud. I want you to pray loud enough where you can hear it with your own ears. Then we're going to move into another part of our service. But I want us to pray together, everybody together, say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I was born into sin. I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. I can't save myself. So I ask you, Jesus, to save me. I choose you. I repent of my sins and I follow you. Thank you for saving me and changing me. In Jesus' name, amen. Give Jesus a hand clap right there. Give Jesus a hand clap. That's so good. Now listen, I'm, we're, we're going to transition into this beautiful moment. It was so beautiful at 9. I believe it's going to be a beautiful moment again here at 11. And just want to let everybody know, housekeeping-wise, there are candles either underneath the seat you're sitting in or uh, the seat in front of you. You can go ahead and reach for one of those. Um, if you have trouble, there's probably someone close to you uh, that can help you. There should be plenty of candles for this moment.
as you got those in your hands, now that, now, now that you have the candles, go ahead and stand all over the room. I want you to stand with me this morning. And as you stand, I'm gonna just kind of go back into the message for just a minute. Christmas of 1914, that's what we use this morning, this truce of 1914. The truce began as an allied soldier heard singing from the German trench. That's how it all started. And at first, he couldn't make out the song. And he didn't want to lean his head too high above the trench. But the melody of this song grabbed his, grabbed his heart. And he listened even more closely until he realized the enemy was singing. Y'all don't want me to sing, do you? Silent night, holy night. I'm not singing, by the way. It's not my gift. But he heard them singing, silent night, holy night. All is calm, all is bright. Round young virgin, mother and child, holy infant, so tender and mild. And 110 years ago, a focus on Jesus calls soldiers to find peace with one another. And I don't think it's any different today that if we'll focus on Jesus, we'll find peace with each other. Because you cannot invite the Prince of Peace into any relationship without his rulership taking effect in that relationship. And so I want to say this very, very strong this morning. Let's not just celebrate Christmas. Let's experience Christmas. Now, in order to do that, my beautiful daughter, Everly, is going to help me out. She's going to light the first candle and bring it to me. And from this one candle, every candle in this room is going to be lit in just a minute. She's walking very slowly, protecting that flame. And I want to say also that as we prepare to do this, I'm going to be speaking directly to the men. In years past, here's what I've always done. I've, I've had the staff come up and I've lit theirs and then they've kind of went out. Thank you so much. Perfect. But today I'm going to do it a little bit different. See, on that night they sang Silent Night in 1914. But I don't think the night was all that silent. I believe they could hear the sound of war all around them. But the silence began in their hearts. This is what God wants to do as you light the candle today. I don't know what conflict you carried into this place. I don't know what lasting conflict you've gone through. But I believe as we light candles and we turn and light the candle of the person sitting next to us that something supernatural is going to happen in this moment that God can silence the war that is going on inside you. And I want to start by asking every man, let me just rephrase, every male, and there's only male or female, but if you're a male, I want you to get out of your seat and I want you to come as close to the platform as possible and just kind of spread all the way out the front. And here's, here's why I'm doing this. The men, according to Scripture, are called to go first. Men, we are the leaders. Scripture encourages us to go first, go first in the way we lead, go first in the way we love, go first in the way we represent the kingdom. And so what I'm going to do, I'm going to light the candle of one man, and they're going to turn to their left, and I want this to kind of flare out to, to my left and to my right, 
And as the men go first, I want you to then begin helping the congregation get theirs lit. And the congregation, you help your neighbors get lit. It's going to be a beautiful moment as we light up these rooms, this room with this candle today, that God is going to silence the war that is going on in your heart. Let's sing this song together. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.